Hi, I'm Mike Bowler, lead pastor for ministries here at Forest Hill Church, and I am so glad that we could be together today to honor God and be reminded of his extravagant love for all of us, especially during times like we have all gone through the last few weeks. You know, we have as a country and as communities seen protests that have had a pure intention in the wake of the horrific death of George Floyd, the intention of, of reminding our country that we need to be a place that lives up to ideals of love and justice and mercy and equality. And yet, as we have seen in, in protests that have had peaceful intentions, some have turned violent. And the violence has spread across our country and it has become frightening and we have seen loss of life and destruction of property. And in the midst of all this difficulty that we face right now, in the midst of, of such a challenging season, I, I am reminded personally of what I don't know. Because I realize that I've been scared to talk and listen because I've not wanted to say the wrong thing or I've not wanted to make a misstep. So I've just been silent. And in that silence, nothing gets better. And you know, as I look around our, our world and I look at our communities and our culture, we have developed a culture that is very much towards a culture of watching, not engaging, we watch. We sit and we absorb enormous amounts of information online. Information that comes to us from all different means and information that we watch and absorb. And then we comment on that. Those comments could be as simple as a conversation over a backyard fence. They could be as elaborate as a blog or comments online in different news media or social media platforms. And as we do this as a community, we stand at bay from one another. We push each other away and we isolate ourselves. And during this time of COVID where we've needed to isolate ourselves, I think that's become even more problematic because we haven't engaged one another in ways that are helpful, in ways that, that move us towards having meaningful conversations and seeing each other the way God intends us to. So as we face this incredibly difficult season, and as we wrestle with issues that are incredibly important for our community and for our entire nation, and as we try to begin to move away from just watching and commenting and moving towards real relationships and real community, Today we come to a place in Scripture in Mark, the 12th chapter. As we've moved through each chapter, we, we land this week in Mark. And as we do, we see Jesus beginning to talk about what is the foundation of everything that God intends his people to know and to do. It's so important for us to look at this, and I would encourage you today, I know that uh, wherever you are, that you may not be able to stand, but I would encourage you, if you can, to stand today. And together, let us read God's Word found in the 12th chapter 
of the book of Mark. Starting at verse 28. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, asked him, this is Jesus, asked Jesus, which commandment is the most important of all? And Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and there is no one besides him. And to love him with all our heart and with all understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Y'all can be seated. Jesus is in the middle of a political turmoil. The religious authorities of the day are trying to trip him up. They have been. They've been following him. They've been trying to make things difficult for him, to get him to, to commit some act, some verbal comment that they can use against him. So they've tried and they've tried. And finally, someone steps forward and asks, okay, Jesus, okay, what's the biggest thing? What's the most important thing? Because you see, in that day, the religious leaders had two goals. One, they had written tons of extra scriptural things. So they had all kinds of rules and regulations, all kinds of things that many more rules than God ever intended for his people to have. But then they also wanted to try to put headlines, have little pithy sayings. So they're trying to catch Jesus in, sum all this up for us, have some pithy saying, and then we'll see you really don't know what you're talking about. So as they're doing this, Jesus' answer to them is so important because he begins with what every Jewish service would begin with in that day, the Shema. It's found in Deuteronomy, and it is the beginning of recognizing who God is. He says, hear, O Israel, hear, O people of God, hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. The Lord our God is one God. There's this principle of oneness embedded in the very beginning of what Jesus says when he's asked to sum up everything, a principle of oneness, a, a power of oneness that's crucial to understand how God first relates to himself. You see this in the very beginning when human beings are created in God's image and it says, let us make him in our image. Later on in the Old Testament, you see foreshadowings of Jesus, talking about a Savior coming. You hear about God the Father, and you have instances of the Holy Spirit coming. This is the Trinity, what we know now in the Christian church as three persons of God, a diversity, if you will, of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three persons, one God. God, from the very beginning, is relating in perfect 
relationship with himself. He is relating and modeling for us what it looks like as human beings to relate to one another. Each with a unique purpose. Each operating perfectly in their relationship with one another. You see, it's really important for us because it's showing us what it means for human beings to relate to each other. God's intention that we would live at peace with each other. Paul in Galatians 3.16, he says this. He says, in light of who Jesus is, Galatians 3.16, that there now is neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek, slave nor free. We are all one in Jesus Christ. Now that oneness doesn't mean uniformity. It doesn't mean that all those differences go away. They're still boys and they're still girls. They're still people who work at this job or that job. They're still people who are different. There is a richness to the difference of humanity. But those, those differences that we take as primary differences, the way that we define ourselves, God is telling us in Galatians 3.16 that those become secondary and our primary identity becomes a oneness that all his followers have with each other through Jesus. That there is a oneness and a power in that that the church can demonstrate during very difficult times as our societal structures give way and fracture. As our society begins to, to look at itself and ask very deep questions, the church can be a voice of hope saying that the one whose image that you're created in desires deeply for you to live at peace with one another, with a oneness that transcends our differences, with a oneness that makes us different. This is why one of our values at Forest Hill, one of our four values that we have launched with our new mission and vision is that we want to cultivate kingdom diversity. What that means in real simple terms is we want to recognize the power that comes when differences are made secondary to the glory of Jesus Christ, where differences are appreciated and that there's a power in the oneness that comes when people who are very different come together and find a uniqueness in their humanity, in their image of God that's created in them and is brought into fullness in Jesus Christ through our faith in him. There's a power in that that we can show the world. It's a promise that God makes us in his word. So the principle of oneness begins this. And then Jesus goes to, now if we're going to sum it all up and we're going to take all the things that are out there and we're going to take all the different ways of understanding the scriptures and, and everything, uh, I'm, he's saying now, not then, but he's saying now, Genesis through Revelation, and we want to put it all together, here's what it would be. Love God. Love God with everything you have and love your neighbors yourself. Love God with everything we've got. But friends, I got to tell you, that is something Jesus is saying that is absolutely impossible for us to do. Whoa, wait a minute. What do you mean that's impossible for us to do? Why would he say do it? It is impossible for us to do in our own strength, in our own understanding. It is impossible for us to love God until 1 John 4 says, until we are loved by him. God's love for the whole world, we're told, that Jesus loves the entire world. 
and that that love sparks within us the ability as we are loved and redeemed by a savior, it allows us to begin to love God. We can love God because we are first loved by him. Now I say the words, God loves you. And the reality is that for most of us, those are just words. They're just simple words. But my guess is somewhere in your life, God has given you a quick picture of what it means to truly be loved, to magnificently be loved, to see real kind of love. I'm not talking like this is, I, I, I love working with premarital couples because they come in and, and, you know, when you're in that stage of, of really in love and you're getting ready to get married and it's so much fun and you're so, and they come in and it's just like, I love my little buttercup. She's so great. I love my little schmookums. They're just wonderful. They never can do anything wrong. And, and it's so much fun to see that. But we all know that kind of love, that kind of love won't last. The kind of love that that leads to, that that love matures into, is a kind of deep, powerful love. I remember seeing this kind of love for me, and my guess is you have a picture, if you wait a minute and think about it, of seeing love like this in your life, that deep, powerful love. I saw that, that the night that my father passed away, my dad had colon cancer years ago when it uh, had a very low cure rate. He had done the treatments, they hadn't helped. He finally had decided to bring in hospice care. And, and, and my dad, he, he, was, he was my dad, so he was a great man. And I loved him. And I remember that night because all his family was gathered around him. And he, we knew he was breathing one of his last, last breaths and as he was in that labored breathing and as the moments were moving towards where he would slip into eternity with Jesus, my mom crawled into bed. And she sat there with him. And as he breathed his last breath, she whispered to him his favorite psalm. I will never forget the picture of the dedication and the love of my mother. Friends, that is but a glimpse of the love that our Father has for us. But a glimpse of the power of God's love for all of us. How can we love God? We have to first recognize that he loves us that he is extravagant in his love for us and that we can, as people of God, begin to love him and begin to love others if we recognize and begin with the power of God's love for each of us. Jesus says not only do we need to love God and we need to love others, but the power that comes and what happens when we do love that way. But as we love God, one of the things, and, and, and people who have been following Jesus for a long time, I, I want to talk to you all for just a minute. And this is true for almost all of us, um, I think. You, you think that the longer you follow Jesus, the, the easier it will be to love him. But if you read people like Mother Teresa, like Henry Nouwen, 
You, you read people who have, who have followed Jesus a long time, and what you find is, is sometimes it's actually harder. Why? Because the sacred becomes ordinary. Because our faith becomes ordinary, it becomes normal, it becomes just kind of who, who we are, and, and it becomes kind of just, just part of what happens in life, and, and we, forget it, it, we forget that spark, that, that power, that, that newness. And it returns at times and ebbs and flows. But, but those who follow Jesus for a long time, I, I want to remind you that just because sometimes your feelings ebb, just like in a marriage where at times you, the romantic feelings can ebb for a season, they will flow back again. And that God's call for us is to never let the sacred grow ordinary because our souls are diminished when the sacred grows ordinary. So we put ourselves in different positions and we are honest with God about how we feel and we, we seek to follow after him and to love him. And as days turn into weeks, into months, into years, into decades, if we have a moment of ebbing, we remember that God's love will flow again and that our feelings are not the determining factor in our love for God and more importantly, in his love for us. So God calls us to love him. And secondly, God calls us to love our neighbor. Jesus, in one of the other gospels, defines who the neighbor is. Because, see, if you think about it, when Jesus is saying neighbor, it could just be like, hey, that's the guy who lives next door to me. The guy who comes over and borrows my tools and never brings them back. So I'm a little irritated at him, but, you know, we watch uh, the ball game together and our kids play together, and, and he's a good guy. Or she's a nice lady and she really is kind and, and you know, uh, wives get along well. and what, you know. No, it, it's not that kind of neighbor. Jesus in another gospel defines neighbor as somebody who's really different than us. In that day, it was the Gentile, somebody who was really different, culturally different, someone who had a different life experience, someone who, who came at things with different values, with different desires, maybe different wants, different hurts and pains. And he says, that's the person who we need to love. That's the person who I'm calling you to love because the other people are easy to love. Yeah, he'll return the tool one day. It'll be fine. We'll get along. It's not them. It's the people in our lives, or, or more importantly, those who we have watched and commented on, but we've never really actually engaged. Those who we've seen from afar, but we've never actually taken a step forward and said, I, I, I want to talk. I, more importantly, I, I want to actually hear you. Because you see, that's what's really important. Because if I were going to define love and what Jesus is talking about, it involves two things, but begins with one. It involves serving. Uh, Christians are called, no doubt, to serve those. Jesus shows us this clearly, that we are called to serve everyone. Not just people who we like, not just people who can pay us back, but we're going to serve everybody. But here's the thing. Before we serve them, it's really important to actually know people. And what I find myself doing, this is what I said earlier, that I find myself just being overwhelmed by the whole situation. By the racial injustices in our country, I, I don't know what to do about it. And I'm, I'm scared to say the wrong thing, so I say nothing at all. And I just don't do anything. And here's the thing, I really shouldn't have a whole lot to say. I need to listen. So a few African-American friends I, I, I talked with and I said, listen, I may say some really stupid things and ask some stupid questions. Like, You're not going to do that because I just want to talk and have a conversation. I just want us to, to know each other on a deeper level. So I've started talking. 
but it can all seem so complex. We get all this information in. We watch all of this information. We don't really know what to do with some of it. So we're trying to figure it all out. Paula Forte, she is a pastor on our staff. She oversees uh, our family ministries on the NOTA campus. And I was in a meeting with her. I've been in a number of meetings with her over the last weeks and months. And one of the things that I have started to do is I've started to really listen to Paula. Because Paula and I are very different. We come from very different places. Paula's theological tradition growing up where she came to know Jesus, where I came to know Jesus, very different. Paula's theological uh, training, her graduate work, very different than mine. The ministry, the experience that she has had, again, very different. Paula is an African-American woman, and I'm a white 50-something male. We come to the world seemingly from some pretty different angles. But the oneness that we find in Christ as I ask some questions is remarkable. And I am indebted to her for what I have learned from her. And one of the things she said recently was, you know, we're making this way too complex because everybody can't solve all the issues that are out there. Everybody can't make everything right in the world. There are some deep, deep truths, she said, and those deep truths affect everybody. And it's that we can all love because we can treat people like they're created in the image of the Almighty God. If they look just like us, if they look different than us, if they come from the same background or a different background, if they have the same kind of house we have or a different kind of house, or if they live in one part of town or another part of town, or if they talk with some accent or not an accent, what Paula was saying was don't get lost in all the complexity of the world. Every single person can love by listening. Every single person can listen can begin to understand at a deeper level and begin to serve better and begin to love one another. Jesus, at the end of this, the, the scribe comes back in and he says, wow, Jesus, I'm, I'm, tra- I'm paraphrasing here. Wow, Jesus, that was a great answer. That was an amazing answer, Jesus. You're right. It's a whole lot more important, the scribe says, that, that we love God and love each other then we do a lot of religious work that we make sacrifices. And Jesus says, you are really close to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God where Jesus reigns. The kingdom Jesus has just told us that's a kingdom of love. Not a kingdom of power. It is an invisible, emerging, worldwide kingdom of love. Where Jesus tells us, those who are considered least by the world are considered greatest there. A kingdom where we're told that we all have a oneness in our rich diversity of difference, just like the Trinity. We are all together. And that there is a power in that oneness. There is a power in loving and listening. There is a power in serving 
Because Jesus says his kingdom is coming, this kingdom of love to the world. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says, if we'll take his teachings and we'll build upon them, it's like building on a really strong foundation. Now, I grew up in Florida, and, and we had sinkholes all over the place. You actually could go out in my backyard and dig, and you could get to the aquifer with a shovel. Foundations were something that were shaky oftentimes. And when a foundation became shaky in a house, they would come in and actually inject sand and concrete into the foundation to push the water out and to raise the house up. God's saying that he injects his love into the foundation of our lives and that his love secures us. Jesus' teachings secure our future with him. Jesus' teachings give us a sure foundation. And Jesus says, if you'll build on my foundation." This foundation of love, he says, if we'll do it, when the things start swirling, and man, they are swirling. And they're frightening. From COVID to racial injustice and inequality to civil unrest, the storms are turning, the storms are surging. And Jesus says, when that comes, your house, your life, it'll stand. But if you build it on trying to find hope on other things, Jesus says eventually that house is going to fall with a great crash. Friends, the amazing news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that God's love is extravagant for us. And because it is, it brings our hearts alive and it re reminds us that we can love him freely. That as the years roll along, that his love is something we can count on, that his love transforms our society, our lives, our hearts, our world, that this invisible kingdom that's coming is a kingdom where people who are different find their oneness in Jesus Christ through listening and loving and serving one another. And that as we do that, he says, we, our lives, our families, our community will stand firm. We're going to sing a song that talks about our lives being built on the love of God. I'd encourage you today, let that song be your prayer. Let it be your confession to the world. Let it be an encouragement for us no longer to just watch and comment but let's start engaging. Let's start listening with a humble heart. Let's start praying for one another and serving one another and respecting one another. Will you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the promise you give us that your love is greater than we can ever imagine, that it frees us from our sin, that it gives us hope for a future that's different. God, I pray for our communities all over our country. God, that peace would reign, 
but that peace would reign through honest conversation, through deep listening and love and service and humility, and that our church and that your church overall with every church would bear witness to the great love and humility found in the gospel that your son gave us. It is in your name we pray and in your name we worship. Amen.